This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging it's time for dimland radio with your host jim dr dim fitzsimmons hello and welcome to dimland radio here on the ztalk radio network at ztalkradio.com i'm your host jim dr dim fitzsimmons remember i'm not really a doctor I just play Doctor Online. Uh, we've uh, made it past the Thanksgiving holiday. Oh, I suppose we're still in the same Thanksgiving spirit. I mean, this is just the Friday after when I record this show, so it's it's still there. There's still some leftovers in the fridge. We didn't have turkey this year. Uh, this year, well, we go to my brother-in-law's place, and um, and they they decided to have lasagna this year. Worked for me. It's pretty good. And it was nice to visit and have uh, you know a bit of a family get together. Uh, all of us were vaxxed except for one, and uh, so that means that the, the the rest of us were protecting the one. And I won't get into why. I'm, in fact, I'm not even sure why the one has decided not to be vaxxed. There was a little vaccine talk, a little talk about the COVID and the vaccination, and the mother of the one who hasn't been vaccinated was uh, talking about it and I just uh, I, I didn't I didn't want to push anything and make anybody uncomfortable so we just uh, went by it but that's true you know that the rest of us there were seven of us there in all the six of us who have been vaccinated were protecting the one who hasn't because it's uh, um, Amy and I have been boosted and um, my brother-in-law hasn't been boosted yet he has to there's he had covid my, his wife had covid uh and so they they have to sort of they're they're on a, on a slower schedule on getting the boost um and and there are other reasons uh, my son hasn't been boosted yet i don't know about the mother of the of the one who hasn't been vaccinated uh i don't know if she's been boosted she probably i guess probably but you know anyway yeah so hopefully everybody's okay, and there isn't any kind of anything to worry about. We'll see in a couple of weeks. You know, let's wait and see if anything happens. Um, and it being the day after Thanksgiving, I took a day off of work, uh, uh, which I don't, which I hadn't done uh, very often. Last couple of years, though, decided you know what I'm taking that day after. Give me the day after that, you know, so I can have the day off. I still cleaned a place this evening, but that's you know a couple hours of work, and that's no big deal. Uh, but but seeing as how I took the the day off, and my other tradition on the weekend after Thanksgiving is to put up the Christmas tree. And 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 the tradition is you you put it up the weekend after Thanksgiving, and you keep it up until 
it's up to how, how I feel anyway. Uh, um, the New Year's weekend, if it happens to fall on a weekend, which it does this year, then maybe I take it down. Or the week after. Just give it another week and then take it down on that following weekend. And yes, I'm, I know I'm an atheist and all that, but I still put the Christmas stuff up because I like Christmas. doesn't mean I like the quote-unquote reason for the season, which is debatable on whether that's actually the reason for the season. I like to think that the reason for it is that uh, the ancient peoples would celebrate the winter solstice, which would mean that uh, they realized at that time that the days would start getting longer. We made it. We made it through the darkest days. They're going to start getting longer now. And that, that's, I think that was part of it. Anyway, for whatever, whatever the deal was, I still like Christmas. Uh, family get-together, uh, put up the tree, have some little Christmas knickknacks around uh, in the living room, and, and that's what I do. So, and I put it up by myself, put it up on the porch. Got to put the tree on the porch because we have a cat. And the cat will, you know, given enough time, will destroy it. <laughs> yeah, that's she just looks at it. Yeah, I'd tear that tree to shreds if you gave me half a chance. Uh, I so I, I so it goes out on the porch. We have like a six and a half foot tall tree. It's an artificial tree, and uh, which I, I I've never personally uh, in any of the places that I've lived, uh, apart from living with my parents. I've never had uh, a real tree. Um, I guess there's, there's the one aspect of having a real tree that uh, is that they smell nice. But if you're putting it on the porch, eh, what's the big deal? You're not going to be able to smell it anyway. Um, my uh, my parents used to do a, a a real tree, but they stopped doing that, and I think I was I probably five years old or less when they stopped doing that. I don't, I, don't, I don't have any real direct memory of there being a real tree in the house. Um, but I do remember their, uh, their first artificial tree. It was one that they had for many years. And this was back in oh, either the late 60s or early 70s when they started to, with, with an artificial tree. And they were the, the 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 technology for making an artificial tree wasn't as good as it is now and has been for the last couple of decades it's been pretty good they you know, it may not if you put it outside among other trees where it's, you don't get a direct look at it you might not notice it but if you pay, pay close enough attention to one of even today's artificial trees if you look at it closely enough you might be able to spot that it's that it's not real but those old day trees yeah you could see it. You could see it wasn't real. Um, and, but it, but the, once you got them all decorated up, they look pretty good. Now, what my parents had, and I remember this, and this this had um, uh, an added benefit for this tree, for that type of tree, that the the ones that look more real or a real tree don't have. Uh, the the artificial tree that my parents first got way back way long time ago um, the 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 branches would be like giant pipe cleaners they would have that the green 
needles, not exactly needles, but you know what I mean, that would go along the, the stem of the branch. And it, it would come out, it would be like just this branch, just come straight out like a pipe cleaner. And at the end of it, it would have three prongs. That would just, it was like a little fork where the prongs point up with, with three tines on it. Uh, and and that's, that's, you know, and there would be the descending lengths. So as you get to the bottom of the tree, it's wider, and, and, you, and, and each level would be a little bit descending, descending, descending until you get to the top. And then you'd have this little piece that would go up to the top and, and you'd open it up and you know get you kind of make it out to look like a a, a a close approximation of a real tree and then you'd decorate it and it looked pretty good um, but you see the benefit of that kind of tree that's different than the artificial trees now and real trees now is that it had interior that you could work with you, you could hang ornaments and candy canes and stuff on the inside so that if you're looking at the tree you 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 have the surface ornaments and garland we like garland we didn't like tinsel tinsel is too messy garlands those nice you know little ropes of the tinsel stuff that that you put around the tree always like the uh, gar preferred garland to tinsel uh, and you'd have that, and you'd have the lights uh, would be on the surface, but you could also put lights on the inside of the tree for, for my parents, for what they had. You could work on the inside of the tree as well as the outside, the surface part of the tree. These, these ones that, they, that we have now, and that, that we've had this tree, Amy and I, we've had this thing for probably about 20 years. Uh, it's, um, you know, it's very realistic in its tree-lookingness, uh, but it, 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 you, but you can't really decorate deep into the tree. It's very, very much surface. So that one of the cool things about that old tree that my parents had was that you could decorate inside. So there was a real depth to looking at it, and 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 and, and it looked really cool. It was a neat tree. And I used to do this thing. I was a teenager, and I used. To, I don't know why I started doing it. But uh, the tree would be in the corner in the living room, and uh, no presents would be under it at that point. Uh, uh, but you'd have, you know, the little, the little, uh, the little, uh, uh, oh, what would that be? The little blanket that goes around the bottom of the tree. You know, we have around one around ours, and it, there'd be that would be there. And uh, but what we would do, what I would do, is I would s just kind of slip under the tree, and I just kind of hang back along the wall under the tree and I just look up and into it and just and lay there looking into the tree uh, I do the little pointing at those round glass ornaments that would be reflecting stuff and then you point your finger at it and, and, and move it toward it and you'd watch the distortion of that I was a weird kid I like to think it was me uh, indulging in my artistic sense of looking at things just getting a different perspective and kind of burrowing my way under the tree and just kind of laying under there for an hour, <laughs> however long I'd stay under there. It's just something I did. I didn't do it every Christmas, didn't every year. But it was, you know, just something I did. Uh, so the tree is up and uh, Christmas is on its way. I got to figure out how to hang up the stockings. We used to put them along this little bit up heading up the stairs, but that's covered now with a uh, with a big curio cabinet. And then we have this window, this piano window. You know, that's that smaller window that's up higher on the ceiling, or not on the ceiling, on the wall. 
uh, where you could put a, a piano, one of those upright pianos, you could put one right next to it, under it. Anyway, so I, I think I might have to get some eye hooks because uh, I used to put tacks in the wall, but it's starting to damage the wall a little too much. <laughs> and I don't want to do that, so i got to figure out what to do with these, uh, uh, put the stockings up. And it's not easy for me to say stockings. I keep wanting to say socks. The other thing about this week is our son, Hayden, is here. He's, uh, he, uh, Amy went down, uh, she took the day off of work on Wednesday, and she took the car and she drove on down to pick him up. And bring him, bring him home. Uh, and uh, I took the, uh, I did all my, uh, I do, I, uh, when I work in a normal week for me, except with the exception of the first week of the month, which I work four nights that week, and that week's coming up next week, even though that's, yes, it's the last week of this month, but it's also the first week of the next month. Uh, so uh, I'll be working four nights that week. It's just, it's just what's going to happen. Uh, anyway, um, I usually work Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Uh, well, this last week, with Thanksgiving coming and my son coming up, I decided to do my Wednesday work on Tuesday, which I can do. I can do that. It's not something to do all the time, but I can do it that one week, and uh, and and nobody would really notice, and or or at least you know it wouldn't be anything that would uh, throw off anybody's week. <laughs> something like if I clean on a Tuesday rather than that Wednesday. Um, I won't go into the deep details, but I did that so that I could have Wednesday night off, and that was nice. Uh, so the son came up, uh, my son, our son, came up, and he, he, he partook in a grand tradition of college students coming home for break, whatever that break may be, coming home with a load of laundry. <laughs> he had a big load of laundry. Now, he's been doing laundry down there, but he must have figured, eh, what the heck, I'm going to be going home. Might as well bring the laundry home. And guess who did it? Yes, I did the laundry. Yes, I did. I was up till 2 in the morning. <laughs> uh, but that Wednesday night when he came, or that Wednesday when he came home, Wednesday night they're doing the laundry, didn't get it done until 2. And that's fine. I, you know, I, was, I had the next day off anyway, so, and I didn't sleep in. Weird. I guess it goes to show you. But it's good to have the boy back and uh, and be able to uh, uh, visit with him a little bit. However, it's almost like it was when he was here before he went to school, before he went off to college. Um, he spends a lot, most of his time up in his room. A little bit with us. We did watch a documentary called Tread. It's about a guy... In, let's see, what state was it? I want to say Colorado. I can't remember, though. This was, uh, I think this took place in the 80s or 90s. Uh, he felt he was wronged by the small town that he lived in. And uh, this guy kind of, you know, went off his nut. And he had purchased this great big bulldozer. And, well, he armored it up and he used that to destroy the town. Or at least attempted to destroy the town uh it's an interesting documentary uh, my son uh, is sympathetic to the guy that did all this and i'm not <laughs> so the guy's nuts the guy you know the guy went nuts and uh he's not a hero um yeah he's not but my son disagrees with me anyway but it's called tread it's on netflix 
So you can find it. Very interesting. It's only about an hour and a half. It's very interesting. It does a lot of reenactment stuff in there, uh, which is, eh, you know, when it comes to documentaries, there's this school of thought saying if you're using reenactments, that's not great. It's not That's not great documentary making. But it can be okay. Uh, Errol Morris, I think his name is. Is that the guy, the great documentarian? He did uh, the thin, uh, the thin blue line, and that documentary has reenactments in it. So, I guess it just depends on how well you use it and how well it's done. And I thought it was done okay here, but they did have once they got to the point where the guy is destroying the town with his bulldozer, they had plenty of actual footage of that, so they didn't have to do the reenactment stuff. So that was pretty compelling pretty cool uh and anyway check that out it's called tread oh look i've gotten to my first break i think yes i have i've gotten my first break so you're listening to dimland radio on the z talk radio network at ztalkradio.com i will be back after this break One thing I said that I would never do I look from you and I would fall If this station's not your cup of tea Then drink coffee! 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 Drink coffee! 100% news 100% information 100% guarantee Thought you might say that <laughs> You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Valtor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, on Z-Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and, of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. He's endlessly pushing the rock of reason up the hill of paranormal. It's Dr. Dim, and you're listening to Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. I am living on Channel Z. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. I am living on Channel Z. And welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I am part of a medical uh, research program. Uh, it's called All, All of Us. It's a it's a um, 
It's a medical research program that is funded by the National Institutes of Health, or for Health, the NIH. Uh, it's an American thing. And it, they, what the program is attempting to do is to get a, a massive database of health information on individual Americans. Uh, that they're trying to get a million people at least, if not more, um, to uh, pay, partake in this research. And what they're asking of us, uh, let's see, let me call this up. <clears throat> On the uh, on the old computer here, uh, the program overview, according to their uh, website, is that uh, I'll just read right from their website. Uh, At the moment, healthcare is often one size fits all. But imagine if, in the future, healthcare could be tailored to each person. We hope to make that possible so that future generations may benefit. How? By creating a resource that allows researchers to conduct thousands of studies on health and disease. We expect this program to last 10 years and we hope you'll partner with us for the duration. Uh, who can join? Eligible adults over 18 living anywhere in the United States can join. Um, what participants share? Participants answer health surveys, provide blood, urine, or saliva samples if asked, and share their electronic health records. Uh, they, 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 they make sure that you know that your privacy is very well protected. Uh, but they warn you. They say, well, you know, some things can happen, but we're doing everything that we can to protect your, your privacy. And what they, what they want to do is they want to draw this information. Get your DNA if you're willing to give it. You don't have to, but if you're willing to give your DNA, uh, they have that. Uh, and what they want to do is just to have this all this information so that uh, in uh, some other study wants to be done. There's a group that wants to do this other study that has that needs DNA of Americans to look into some aspect that they want to check in to uh, to help with uh, with healthcare, and uh, they would have this this huge database through this research program they would be able to draw from information from there. And again, your privacy would be protected. But so, so what they want to do, uh, um, it, it, what, they, what they're hoping, that uh, getting our DNA, uh, that the researchers may learn uh, what makes people more or less likely to develop a disease, uh, how the environment and lifestyle and genes can impact health. I'm reading from a brochure that I got from them. Uh, how to build better tools for detecting health conditions and encouraging healthy habits. Uh, how will all of us use the DNA? Uh, how, how will all of us study DNA, I should say? DNA will be studied in two ways. Genotyping, which looks for a small amount of DNA that gives us information about many of the common DNA changes, including eye color and blood type among us. Uh, whole genome sequencing, which looks at almost all of your DNA. And what they hope to learn, uh, and what I can learn from my DNA, from giving DNA to them, what, what can I learn? Uh, according to the brochure, it says all of us participants can decide if they want to get information about their DNA. Information such as your ancestry, where your family comes from, 
uh, your traits, such as why you might love or hate cilantro, uh, whether you may have an increased risk of developing a serious health condition, such as cancer or heart disease, how your body might react to certain medicines and or other health-related information. So that, that can be something that, ben, that's, that I get out of it. Uh, and, you, and you can opt out. You don't have to find this stuff out. You don't have to find out what you're at risk for, uh, uh, you know, what illnesses you might be at risk. Uh, you don't have to find out your ancestry DNA. You don't have to find out if you don't want to. Uh, you don't have to give your DNA if you don't want to. Well, I did. I did the thing. I went, uh, I uh, gave a little bit of, uh, they took a little blood from me. And as I recall, uh, when I went in, I uh, gave a urine sample. They didn't take a saliva sample. They took actual blood from me. Uh, and when I sat down <laughs> to get some blood, the, the phlebotomist, that's the person that gets the blood out of you. Uh, and, and she was, she also, she measured my waist and my hips. Uh, she took my weight saw how tall I was, you know, just took all that information. Um, and then when she sat me down to draw some blood, she, she has this, uh, uh, a little, um, uh, case kind of thing with a bunch of, uh, a bunch of vials in it. And something like, there's like 30 vials in this thing. <laughs> you know, for, I looked at her and I said, how much blood are you going to be taking from me? It's just, oh, not not all of this, because there's all these vials in there. She said, just these, uh, I think it was seven of them. She actually hooked up and took some blood. Maybe less than seven, but I said, wow, that's an awful lot. That's She just wanted to scare me, I think. Uh, as I said, I gave a urine sample, I gave some blood, and then she took my blood pressure on one of those automatic things. And she, she actually left the room. Says, this is what it's going to do. It's going to do a five-minute. You're going to, you know, calm down, you know, for five minutes. And then it's going to take a, uh, it's going to check it once. It's going to wait a minute. Then it's going to check it twice. And it's going to wait another minute. And then it'll do a third check. And then we'll do average that out on what your blood pressure is. And uh, so then she gave me this little uh, form where she filled out my information. Uh, my blood pressure was 126 over 81. That was the, the average of the three, which is good. Um, and then she, she, my height, she had me at exactly six foot. Uh, I always thought I was like six foot and one quarter, but you know, six foot's fine enough. Maybe I've shrunk a little bit. My weight was uh, <laughs> 192 pounds. Uh, so that put my, uh, let's see, I won't tell the BMI thing yet. Uh, my waist circumference was 38.7 inches, and my hip circumference was 41 inches. And so, you know, that's how you go there. Uh, my, my heartbeat was at 70 beats per minute, which I'm usually in the 60s. But uh, that's fine, you know. Uh, but my BMI was 26. Now, BMI, that's the body mass index. That's, uh, that's a thing that was come up with... Uh, uh, a while ago uh, to try to you know determine if you're overweight or if you're obese or how you know what kind of body fat you're, you're carrying with you it's not uh, the most accurate I'll get into that a little bit but um, mine was 26 which means I'm considered overweight which I don't know about that 
I mean, I, I suppose I could lose a little. <laughs> I could I could lose a little. Um, anyway, uh, before I go down the BMI path, uh, which I plan on doing, benefits to me directly. Uh, giving my DNA, I got a gift card for 25 bucks for Target. I don't know if Target stores are completely nationwide. They, I think they are. But I got a $25 gift card, which is still in my wallet. I haven't used it yet. We'll, we'll see what we do. You know, Christmas is coming. I could use it there. Um, and then uh, the other thing is I, I did opt to find out what my DNA might show. You know, if I might be, if I might, if there's a certain kind of cancer that I might be more at risk of getting. But I, but I will also get the ancestry, which uh, a couple years ago, uh, I can't remember exactly when, but it was a couple few years ago, uh, at one of our family gatherings at my older brother's place, he he had this brochure, he had this. Uh, 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 folder with a bunch of information in it. He had done, I don't think, I don't know if it was 23andMe or Ancestry or something where he sent his, you know, they got a DNA sample from him and they did an Ancestry breakdown. You know, which what they do there is uh, they compare it to a DNA database that's that they have in the world, uh, a world database. They compare, you know, what percentage of uh, of common DNA do you have with people in various parts of the world? So people from some area in France, you have you know ten percent of your DNA is is common in, uh, is common to these people who to these people live in this particular area of France or in Germany or in uh, you know North Africa or China wherever and. So he got his done, and I remember at the time when he was showing out, you know, telling us everything that was in there. I remember saying, "Well, great! I don't have to do it now." I mean, I was thinking about it, but you know, it's an expense. I don't know how expensive it is, but it's not—it's not exorbitant because you know the technology got better, and they were able to do genome—you know—a person's genome for very inexpensive uh, compared to when it first was being done, and. And I said, "Well, I don't, I don't have to do that now because you know, that's that's my brother. You know, he, we've got the same DNA, essentially. We're going to have the same backgrounds, you know, unless mom and dad have a secret that they don't want us to know about. But I do look like both my parents. So, anyway." <laughs> uh, so now, having done this this all of us research thing, and for and I get emails from them, and I fill out a, f a survey every now and then, and I, I try to keep up on on what's going on there, uh, so that I you know, so that I, I stay active within the program, because that's another benefit of uh, of being part of this medical research uh, program. Uh, one, okay, you get the gift card if you give your DNA. If you go in for the DNA thing, you're going to get a $25 gift card. Uh, two, you can opt to get your DNA information and find out your ancestry, what part of the world you're from, or you know, you might be from. Uh, find out what maybe you might be at risk of getting. You get that. And you get to help out medical science. 
so that you know in the future they may be able to uh, through this they might be able to better tailor treatments for people uh, as as on an individual basis rather than as it says on their website a one size fits all sort of a, an approach so that would be pretty cool and I like that you know I'm pro science I think you know that about me been pro science for a while now so I will uh, I'll be I'm, I'm they did say at the time it will take uh, it could take a couple of months before I get the results of the DNA thing. It just it could take that much time. So it's been I think about a month since I went in and done uh, the uh, the DNA thing. But uh, uh, you know we'll see, we'll see what it is, and we'll and it will be interesting to get my results and then compare them with the results that my brother got, uh, and then maybe we will find out that mom and dad. Uh, keeping a secret from us. So, that might be... <laughs> that might be interesting. I mentioned the BMI. Body Mass Index. Uh, this was a, a way of trying to figure out how much fat you might have. An easier, non-invasive sort of way. Uh, just by... What they do is they compare your height and weight, and and they use that information to figure out where you are on this scale. You know, and and there is some pushback on the whole BMI thing. Uh, there are some things they don't take into account. Uh, like I said, my BMI was 26, which puts me in the overweight category. When I looked at my little my little readout that was given to me at the time that I, I did the DNA uh, uh, donation shows that uh, I'm in the overweight category. But uh, so I, looked at, I decided to look that up and say, well, okay, uh, you know, what... I remember hearing some stuff about the BMI. What have I heard about it? Um, there's a Scientific American... Uh, article that was written by what was his name now Brock Armstrong who's a health guru type a, a body fit guru guy you know and Brock Armstrong that's a name for a guy that works out my name is Brock Armstrong um, it's from uh, 2019 um, he points out that there are some deficiencies in the uh, BMI measurements uh, it can overestimate or underestimate the amount of fat you have. It doesn't take into account that muscle weighs more than fat. It's more dense. It has, it, there's, there's, it's, so if you take out a, a chunk of fat out of you, or a chunk of your flesh out of you, that, that if it's fat, it's going to weigh maybe 18% less than if that same size chunk of muscle is taken out. So that's, that's something that's not... Uh, that's that's not um, controlled for apparently. Uh, there are uh, you know in what they in this guy's article, he mentions that because uh, somebody that could be sedentary and they weigh you know they're six feet tall and they weigh two hundred pounds, well they would be in the overweight category. But so would Usain Bolt. 
the 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 sprinter, you know, the the the, the fastest man in the world, who's who's you know doesn't have much fat on him, got a lot of muscle on him, and so they might think, oh, yeah, yeah, you're overweight. No, <laughs> not overweight. Well, he's close to being overweight. Uh, who else did they mention here? Michael Phelps are close uh, to being considered overweight. And Michael Phelps is the you know the swimmer, the Olympic swimmer, who did the cupping thing. Remember the cupping stuff? Ugh, you know athletes. I tell you, it, when you, you want to see superstition and stupid stuff, look at athletes, especially during the Olympics. When you see the cupping bruises, or you see that tape on them, that kinesio tape, I think it's called. Put every which way anywhere. Not that taping up a joint, a knee, an ankle, a wrist. Uh, you know, doesn't help. It's just this, this any old way to put the tape on the shoulder going one direction and then a couple, and an X on the middle of your back and then a couple of stripes, a couple of, uh, bits of it around your bicep. And that's, it, it makes no rhyme nor reason. It's just, it's just put it on there somewhere and they think that that's doing something. It ain't doing anything. It's all, you know, it's placebo effect, psychological stuff. I, don't, I suppose maybe the psychological stuff does something. But Phelps was doing the cupping. So he had these, these hickeys all over him. That's when you take a cup, you heat up the cup, you put it on somebody's skin, and the hot air inside the cup will suck the skin up into the cup, and that'll leave a hickey. You know, it's getting hickeys without the fun. And and they don't do shit for you. They don't do anything. And it, and and the horror stories back in the day when the cupping thing gets out of hand, when somebody cups the same spot over and over and over, it begins to destroy the skin. It begins to cause sores. It begins to cause problems that could be bad and infections and that because of what it's doing. It's just it's keeping this bruise uh, on your skin. It's not a good thing. And they say, oh, it just means it's working. It's pulling out the toxins and the toxins, the ever-present toxins and the pseudoscience bullshit. So anyway, BMI, uh, th that somebody like um, superstar quarterback Tom Brady would be considered obese because of his height and weight. But he's muscly. It's muscle. It's not fat. He's not. He's, he's certainly not obese. Uh, superstar ba uh, basketball player LeBron James would be considered overweight. And the other thing is, the other drawback, the other problem with the BMI stuff is, is that uh, older people, as people age, uh, they tend to lose muscle mass and bone mass. So they they might not they, that might reflect a certain lower weight to the person. Although you know they may have fat on them, they might be overweight. But because they don't have the mass of muscle that they that an average younger person would have, and the and the and the uh, bone mass, they are thinner. Well, look who's here. Come to interrupt the show, isn't it? You know, I want to mention something. Last week, when I when I mentioned that I threw a pillow at her, <laughs> I want to assure you, I don't hit her with the pillow. The pillow drops near her. I make sure that I don't hit her with the pillow. Because <laughs> even though it's not going to hurt her, I don't want to hit her with the pillow. You know, do that to the cat. But, you know, I just want to get her to, you know, move on. Go upstairs. Go hang out with Amy. I'm trying to do a show here. <laughs> so, rest assured, I'm not nailing the cat with the pillow. <laughs> I mean, it may have slid on the floor a little bit and, and hit her a little, but it's not its not like I'm throwing it directly at her. I don't. I make sure I'm careful. So I'm not 
you know, if you were listening that said, well, he's throwing pillows at his cat. Well, I'm in the direction of the cat. Not, you know, it doesn't hit the cat, okay? All right? All right, before I go off the, the BMI thing. So, so older people might be considered, well, you, they're a healthy weight. They may not be, you know, but they might have, uh, you know, too much fat. And they could be unhealthy that way. Um, so it doesn't measure the fat percentage. Uh, what you need to do that, you could do a skin fold with calipers. You can do electro, let's see, electro, uh, bio elect, uh, bioelectrical uh, um, uh, impedance or DXA x-ray scan. Those, those are ways of, of really being more accurate as to your body fat content. Uh, it does not account for the differences in demographics. Um, uh, black women might there you know be healthier or be still healthy at a 32 BMI which would have them in the a 32 would have them being obese but they might actually act, actually be healthy let me see what the scale here is I'm looking it up uh, I think that puts them in the obese category yep if at a 32 uh, BMI so that it doesn't take into account there Asian people of Asian descent uh, they tend to, there's a different way of holding uh, body fat. Uh, it's different on them. And they might show as being, you know, either underweight when maybe they've got, you know, maybe they've got some issues there. It doesn't catch them. Uh, let's see. And it does not measure the body fat distribution. Uh, body fat around your midsection is not good. But body fat on your butt, on your thighs, that isn't as critical, isn't it worrisome? So, but the body mass, you know, the BMI can have some indications to show that this person, you know, maybe look closer into this, this person than they might be to, at an unhealthy weight to their height ratio. Might be, it might, you know, yeah, uh, lead to, you know, more study is needed and maybe they get some attention there. So, uh, you look like you might. Uh, According to this quick and easy way of looking at your body fat content, might show us that well, we're a little concerned here. Let's let's look a little deeper and go to these other methods to really ascertain what's going on. So anyway, I will link on the show notes to the All of Us program. Go to the show notes by going to dimland.com. Click on the show notes blog option, and you'll get to it. If you would like to join up for it, it's not going to cost you anything except for maybe a little bit of blood, a little bit of urine, or some saliva, a um, little time. But you'll get a gift card, and you'll, if you want, you can get your ancestry, you can get your health risk, the DNA information if you want it. Um, you don't have to, but it's something. You'll be helping science. So that's a good thing, right? Helping science. Okay, I've made my second break. Uh, and uh, I'll be back. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Simmons, taking my second break.
You know, if I can maneuver into a tight parking spot at the mall, I'm pretty much sexually satisfied. And I've been to the mall twice today already. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Remember, there's no hugging in the chat room. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Have you ever wondered what skeptics are up to in countries where English is not necessarily the first language? Or are you interested to learn about some fascinating and sometimes very bizarre Europe-related facts, events or people from history of skepticism? Or do you just want to know who's been really wrong lately? You can find out all about that and more on the award-winning show The ESP, the, the European, European Skeptics, Skeptics Podcast. Podcast. So, where can people find the show? You can find it online at theesp.eu, but you can also follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu, or like us on Facebook. Oh, and you can contact the show by sending an email to info at theesp.eu. If you want to subscribe, do a quick search for the European Skeptics Podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get to your podcast. The European Skeptics Podcast. The, the real ESP experience. Hey, this is Danny Potts from the Kentucky Ghost Chasers, and you're listening to Z Talk Radio. To Dimland Radio here on the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, uh, Jim. Let's see, Jim, Doctor Dim Fitzsimmons, uh, and I've got one of these. And now it's time for a Dimland Radio pedantic moment. Yeah, this ought to be good. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Uh, I know. I know what this is. I know. I understand. But it's a, just a little thing that I notice, and I figured I'd bring it up. Buy one, get one. To a pedant, that's a, yeah. Yeah, when I buy something, I expect to get it. When I buy one, I expect to get one. That's... That's the whole thing, right? That's why I'm buying it. I buy one, I get one, right? That's, you know, buy one, get one. I know, I know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a shortening of, of a phrase. Uh, it's, it's shortening. It's, it's, it, it, it's not just buy one and get that one. It means you, you buy one. And you, it's, it's, it's buy one, get a second one, free or half price. It's not always free. Sometimes you get the second one half price. And they call it, you know, 
uh, a BOGO. Buy one, get one, BOGO kind of thing. So I, I understand. I mean, everybody understands what it means because of the usage. It's been used for a long time. You buy one, you get one free or half price. You get another one. You get a second one free or for half price. You know, it, it, I, I understand. Yeah, it's it's, but just on a pure pedantic level, when you just when you say buy one get one, well, yeah, you buy one, you get one, yeah, and yeah, the the bogo thing to be able to shorten it and put the b o g o bogo, it just you know it, it, when it means when it really means what they really should be saying, buy one, uh, get a second one free or half price so that would be you know b o g s o f o p or i'm sorry h p b o g s o f o h p or bog so folk bog so folk doesn't quite roll off the tongue as bogo b o g o buy one get one i know i know but you know <laughs> that's that's the curse of being a pedant. You know, I mentioned on Facebook that I believe I am forever cursed to notice when people posting on social media or just about anywhere have apostrophe-itis. They either... They, apostrophe-itis is when people put an apostrophe in a word that, that shouldn't have the apostrophe or they put the apostrophe in the wrong place in the word or they don't put an apostrophe when it needs to be one. It's just, it doesn't, it, 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 it's, it's, it's something I notice. I notice it uh, uh, a lot. I'm sure some of them have gotten past me. I'm sure it's happened. But, man, it's just like, it's, it, to me, it just sticks out like a red flag. It's just, boom! There it is, a red flag and a white background. Boom, I see it. That shouldn't be there. There was a, a meme shared. I won't go into details what it was, what it was but there's an image, a couple images in there, and then there's this text about you know people having a little bit of a conversation. And then uh, they had the word winners, where winners was you know multiple winner. It was a multiple of winner. Yeah, it was more than one winner. Winners. They put an apostrophe there, an apostrophe S, and that winner. It doesn't belong there. That means when you put the apostrophe S in that word, it's the it's it's something that the winner, one winner, possesses. It's not plural winners. Plural winners. You don't put an apostrophe there. If several winners are possessing of something, the apostrophe does go in, but it goes in after the S. Right? So when when a, a friend of mine posted just the example that winners I just gave you, when they posted it, I said, well, see, right there. there. I'm cursed to see the apostrophe, so it's not necessary. And she asked me, said, well, I don't see it. Where is it? And I said, winners. It's, it shouldn't be there. She went, wow, I didn't even notice it. And I thought, oh, I wish I was you. <laughs> oh, it would be so nice to just not notice them. 
But I notice them. It's 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 you know. I know people say let it go. I understand the let it go thing. I do, but I mention it sometimes because you know I'd like a little sympathy. It's a thing. It's a thing that I go through. You know, I don't I don't choose to see it. You know, it's it's just there. It's just boom. What's that apostrophe doing there? It's not needed there. Why isn't there an apostrophe there? It should be there. And of course, when you post something like this on Facebook. You get all your smart-ass friends to throw up words with apostrophes all over the damn place. <laughs> just, to, just to mess with you. Well, I expected that. It's life being a pedant. You know, and, I, you know, and, and I know I, I've got friends out there. One in particular says, oh, you are that bad. You're bad. You're really bad. And, and it's, no, I'm not that bad at my pedantry. I, I hold my tongue... So much more often than you might think. There's just so many times I don't mention it. And I notice something and I do let it go. I just I internalize. I hold it down. I press it down. I push it down. I press it down. And every now and then, something, something sneaks out. What are you going to do? <clears throat> well, I'm going to give you a movie recommendation. Uh, Amy and Hayden and I uh, back when it was the weekend of my birthday, which was a couple weeks ago, November 14th is my birthday. Astrologers, put your charts away. He, uh, Hayden was able to come up that day, and we went and saw a movie. And the movie we saw was a film called The French Dispatch. It's a new movie. It's a Wes Anderson film. If you, he, uh, he, he produced it and directed it and co-wrote it. Uh, if you're familiar with Wes Anderson's work... Uh, he's done. He's done films. Uh, he's done Rushmore, uh, The Royal Tenenbaums, uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, he's done the fat. The I think it's the Fantastic Mr. Fox. I think that's what it's called. Uh, he has a very particular style in his fil filmmaking. Meticulous in the visuals. Absolutely meticulous in how he does the visuals. And he. he you know, he his first film that he did was Bottle Rocket. Doesn't see, you know, he's he does have the the same you know meticulousness with with visuals, but it's not not quite. You know, he didn't quite have the budget to to, to fall to, to really go in his direction, like he like he was able to do with uh, with uh, the the film The Life Aquatic. Uh, I don't remember the subtitle of it, but The Life Aquatic was one film. It was Bill Murray plays a, a Jacques Cousteau type character. Um, and it just there's a, just a specific look to the film, with some animation in it, uh, stop motion animation stuff in the in that film. Uh, it, he just he just has a, a visual sense and a and a and an aesthetic visually yes, but um, in the the quirkiness of the characters, quirky is a good word for his films, and it's and deadpan is also a good word. Uh, for his films, there's a there's a dry sense of humor to it, very deadpan, uh, and just and it's just this these oddball characters, uh, in these oddball situations. It's just really he does interesting films. It's not everybody's cup of tea. Not everybody appreciates the Wes Anderson stuff like uh, Amy and I do, and our son Hayden does. I didn't even know this film was out. The French. Dispatch. I had no idea it was out. Uh, the French Dispatch is this. Uh, I think it's a fictitious magazine, newspaper kind of thing. 
uh, has something to do with Kansas City or Kansas, the state of Kansas. Uh, but the, this 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 editor, played by Bill Murray, wants to create this this newspaper that gives information about France and a particular town in France called Ennui. <laughs> Interesting name for the town, and it fits with the humor and what gets depicted in it. And the film is it's, it's an anthology. It's it's like you you sit down to read uh, the what would be the last issue of the French Dispatch. Uh, it, there's an obituary. There's a, uh, a, a an introduction to the town, and there are three stories uh, that are depicted in the film. Uh, the first story has to do with an artist who has um, who's uh, somewhat mentally disturbed. Somewhat might be not the right word, but he's he has uh, you know he has some mental illness aspect to him. He's in prison, and he's doing this art, and a fellow prisoner who is, was in for fraud or embezzlement or something, who gets gets out. He's from a rich family and all that. He decides to really promote this guy as an artist. He saw his work and just believe you know just it's very abstract art. Uh, uh, the muse of the artist is a prison guard who's a woman uh, who he they, they have an affair sort of thing uh, and you know and that's that story where that goes I won't I won't give any more the second story uh, that first story they call it um, uh, what's it called I wrote it down concrete uh, masterpiece is the name of the first story the next story is revisions of to a manifesto and that is about um, a group of uh, young people in this town of Anhui decide that they, you know that they need an, a manifesto they to protest something <laughs> and the reporter for the dis French dispatch is to write a story on this and supposed to stay uninvolved but she gets involved with the young fellow who is the Head of this revolutionary movement, um, and you know it, that's an interesting story. The last story uh, of the movie is called "The Private Dining Room of the Police Commissioner," and it's it's uh, there's a police commissioner in this town whose son is kidnapped, and it's about how they go about getting back his son. Uh, and again, it's just. Everything is just so odd and compelling, though. It's just, it's, it's funny, it's quirky, it's strange, it's just, and the visuals are so excellent. It's a, it's kind of a cross between the illustrator Edward Gorey, um, who, if you know the, if you know the, um, uh, the PBS series Mystery, they have an animation that uh, that opens the the show. The, the Edward Gorey is the artist that uh, that uh, is responsible for those animations, uh, and then Charles Adams, Charles Adams, who created the Adams Family as a, a comic strip in the newspapers or magazines or something. It's a, sort of a combination of those two, except not so much macabre, but it's just that I, that's the feel I got. Those two artists who contend to be macabre in their work. This film doesn't quite have the macabre sense to it, but it's but it's that there's there's a certain shared aesthetic between those three, you know, between those two illustrators 
and 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 uh, Wes Anderson's visual style. Uh, it's and Wes, and it's interesting when you watch the film if you see it in the theaters, which I, it might still be in the theaters. Uh, the aspect ratio of the screen is four by three, which is like a TV screen, the old time TV screens. It's not widescreen, and I think a, I don't know if all of Anderson's films are in that ratio, but boy, you just watch the visuals and how he sets things up. He's very meticulous on what is seen by the camera. Really interesting. A lot of black and white stuff, some color in there. It's just it's just quirky and interesting and funny. Visually, just uh, just a treat to look at. Uh, the second story, uh, the manifesto story, dragged a little bit for me, but maybe a second viewing it won't. Uh, there was he, he, he takes sometimes there's French language in there, so there's subtitles, uh, and the way they lay out the subtitles in the film, um, it's a little odd. It's not what you're used to, so that might have held back a, a little bit. In, especially in that that second story about the the manifesto, um, might have dragged it just a little. A second viewing m might uh, might improve uh, that bit of it. But it's just I'm telling you, it's a very interesting film. You should check it out. It's called The French Dispatch. It's got all kinds of people in there. Uh, uh, Bill Murray's in it. There's uh, Francis Mc Francis McDormand's in it. Uh, Timothy Charlemagne. Uh, 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 Benicio del Toro is in there. Adrian Brody. There's just a whole slew of people in that movie. Uh, Lev Shriver. It's just, it's just, you know, he's old, and and it's, but it's not really distracting the people in it. Uh, uh, it's just, it's just great. Check it out. It's called The French Dispatch. It's quirky. It's funny. It's visually just very uh, uh, terrific. I think it's just, uh, uh, I think it's a pretty darn good film. Good night, Frau Doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. Now, I'll be honest with you. I wasn't sure I had enough for this week. You know, with the holiday in there, I wasn't sure I could do an hour, but <laughs> why should I doubt myself? You've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network. Wash your hands, wear a mask when it's, it's wise to do so. Get your vaccines. If you've, been, if you've gotten the first course of vaccines, get the booster if you can. Uh, and thank you for getting vaccinated. You've been listening to Jim Land Radio and Seat Talk Radio Network, and this is your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons, saying sleep with the lights off. You can check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option, and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. has been a production of the Z Talk Radio Network.
And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Wow. Wow. Well, well I'm going to hell. hell.